Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Starting a Counseling Practice. And today we are joined by Jackie Warner. She's an LMFT in Connecticut. Hello, welcome. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. She's also a boot camper, so full confession, boot camp may come up during this conversation. <laughs> we were just talking about some of the things that we wanted to cover today and, and then exploring Jackie's journey with building a practice, with health issues and loss. And just um, our hope today is that this conversation, whatever turns it takes, will be of an encouragement to you if you're out there in practice, um, especially during these times. Right now we're still in the midst of COVID. Maybe one day you'll be listening to this and that will be a far gone memory. Um, but right now it's still in the forefront of all of our minds. Um, so on top of those challenges, there's other challenges that we all individually face and what I love about Jackie's story is doing a practice that works for you within the context of your life, right? So welcome. Yes. Tell us a little bit about how and when you started your practice. Sure. So um, I started private practice back in 2016. Um, I left the agency work that I was doing for, I actually did part-time in a group and part-time building my practice. And the group was well aware of this. And um just got to slowly build as as I went, which was a really nice way to be able to do it so that I could have the income that I needed from the group um, and, and learn the things I needed to learn while slowly getting going with my my own practice. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that worked really quite well for me. And then in 2017, um, I said goodbye to the group and I was their guinea pig as, as an IC and it was a good relationship. Yeah. So they, you know, wished me well as, as well. And mm -hmm. uh, just dove straight in then to um, full-time private practice. Uh, unfortunately though, right as I was doing that, literally as I was putting a desk together for my office, I started having these weird reactions and it led down this uh, journey with, with chronic health. So my private practice journey has been interesting to say the least uh, with figuring out how do I make this business work? How do I make it sustainable? Mm -hmm. with with my own needs as well, being at the mm -hmm. forefront that I can't ignore. Mm -hmm. And I was incredibly grateful that I found boot camp about five to six months, I'd say, into private practice. Mm -hmm. And that just helped lay the foundation for everything that I still utilize now, four and a half years later. Mm. Um, it's been that long. Yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. It's wild. Yeah, so uh, it, it's been a roller coaster of a journey, but it, I've been really amazed that with the right systems in place and the right perspective, I think, uh, and supports, lots of, of supports, um, I've been able to find that balance, um, but it is a constant learning curve, constant. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how to do this thing. <laughs> and um, it looks very different today than it did, you know, even a year ago. Um, and that's to adjust because of the needs of your health that constantly changed? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Um, and, you know, the one thing that I have I've found really, really helpful that I would encourage with any therapist out there who are struggling with, with 
balancing the needs of others and this amazing, wonderful and exhausting work that we do with their own needs is I constantly say to myself, embrace what is, embrace what is, just keep coming back to that. If it's a really good day, awesome. I'm going to embrace that. I'm going to try to take advantage of that, do what I got to do, um, mm -hmm. try to tackle some of that to-do list, uh, be as present as possible. And on those really, really hard days, it's just a hard day. It's not going to last forever, hopefully. Right. And I need to stop and put on the brakes and just be and, and give my body rest. I mean, that's one of the things we talk about in boot camp, even like with fee setting, the reason why people struggle so much is their lack of resistance to accepting where they are and what they need, right? How like when we don't make those, yeah. if we don't look at the picture and say, oh, this is what's happening and yeah. accept what we need in order to do good work while taking care of ourselves, we'll never, you know, we, we, it stymies our ability to pick a fee that will allow for that. So sometimes it's our resistance. I know for me, I've resisted a lot of times with my chronic health stuff about mm. identifying that way. I'd rather push through it. I don't want people to know or whatever. And then that pushing away and actually amplify <laughs> the immune stuff coming up. Absolutely. Um, and so in that embrace of who I am and what I need physically, mentally, emotionally, all those things, I actually feel healthier. Do you ever think about like if you had stayed in a job with your autoimmune condition, like what that would look like compared to what it means when you own your own business? Oh, absolutely. I have no idea how I, I probably would have been fired a long time ago. I mean, it's just impossible, I think, to do that. Um, I, you know, there were seeds of, of issues with this when I was, I was working for the Yale Child Study Center previous to private practice, and which is a mm -hmm. wonderful, amazing place, by the way, but mm -hmm. um, they, they got to meet numbers, they got to do their thing, they got to work within the system and the bureaucracy that they're a part yeah. of. And even then, when I, I was struggling with my health in different ways, um, I had amazing, beautiful supervisors who were there for me in so many ways and allowed mm -hmm. me to take off as needed, but that's mm -hmm. just not sustainable. You know, they mm -hmm. do so much and stretch that so far. Um, and I was very fortunate in, in an odd way that the stuff didn't pop up until I was truly completely on my own and could mm -hmm. could navigate that, make those decisions for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think some of it too, like the reason things, you're building a desk start to happen? I think... What do you make of that? Because to me, I think about like now there's space in your body's like, hello, now will you listen? <laughs> 100%. I totally yeah. agree with that. Right? It's always once we slow down that all of a sudden that's when everything falls apart a little bit. And because we can, our immune system goes, oh, oh. And <laughs> <laughs> now we fall apart for a second before. Mm -hmm. So before boot camp, what was your practice looking like? Think back to those many moons ago? Ah, so long ago. Um, well, so my private practice itself was struggling. It mm -hmm. was, I remember I got stuck on eight clients for like three months. I could not get past billing mm -hmm. that number per week and it was driving me nuts. Um, but even getting there was kind of hard. Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, I hear these amazing stories about therapists who are able to just like dive in and in two months they're completely full. And that just was not my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Even with doing so many things right, I think. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it just doesn't happen yet. Yeah. Found that once I got into boot camp, you guys gave me the the tweaks that I needed um, to lay a better foundation to put more uh, focused content like on on my website to just do all these different little things that then led to all of a sudden an influx of clients a couple of months later. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take that time, but then it hasn't stopped since then, right? Mm-hmm. It's just been constant. And I've, I haven't struggled to find clients since then for yeah. several years. That's awesome. You know, one of the things, let's talk about this a little bit, this, this, uh, like, Oh, people who like start from the get go and it just takes off. Um, that being one of those people, I will say I was one of those people that like filled my practice quickly mm-hmm. and some of it was luck. Uh, some of it was like, I quickly made really, I found the right referral partner. And sometimes you have to kiss a lot of frogs <laughs> before <laughs> you find that person, but I happened to find them sooner than later. Or I was really great with the website stuff. And, and so it worked in my favor. But I think it's not the norm, as everyone believes. And I think slow and steady is a good thing. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. you have some foundational stuff in place. So I feel like I really wish we would be more open about, I also have privilege. Like I had healthcare already provided to me. I had a spouse who, while was a teacher, at least had some sort of income, you know, I had built up savings. Like I had some things that allowed me to do it more quickly than other people too. So we need to start talking more about those (laughs) when those people share their stories, being honest about the opportunities and privileges that they have, because not everyone has that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I I went in with my own privileges as well. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, Kelly, I think you're, you're spot on when it comes to finding those referral sources, right? Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. And I know for me, it hasn't been in attending different community events or talking to doctor's offices or any of those things that I attempted to do early on. It was Mm -hmm. simply be in trainings, a better clinician, and get to know my fellow colleagues who are on the same path. That's neat. We constantly refer to each other. Um, that has been the most powerful piece. I like then, that to Jenga, like your Jenga, you know, like when you're playing and you're just trying to find what's easy, the easy, where the easiest for you, that synergy and, and not like beating our head against or trying to push the blocks through that are not ready to be moved. So, yes, yes, absolutely. Well, and there's something so natural about connecting with our colleagues, right? And and building that rapport and trust with each other and authenticity, I think, in those relationships becomes mm-hmm. such a, an important tool, not just for referral sources, but just for building ourselves up as clinicians and having support in this crazy 
private practice life, you know, just mm -hmm. all the parts of it. So what are, what are some things that you learned? So I hear like you made some tweaks in bootcamp and things like that, but what are some things you learned in terms of creating a business that's adaptable to your health needs? Like, what does that look like? Oh gosh. Um, I have a biller first of all. <laughs> uh -huh. There. Yeah. I'm not even gonna touch insurance. I'm just so over it and have been really since I even started before I started. Um I, I think having that support has mm -hmm. been extremely important so that I don't have to deal with my blood pressure going up every time I have to call and a claim. Um, I just can't imagine having to deal with that. Um, I would say just having other little systems in place. Uh I, you know, I know how I pay myself. I, I know the flow of that and what that looks like. Uh, I, at this point also know what kind of to expect, what, what expenses are coming out where, and you guys do such an amazing job of pointing that out and understanding like, no, take a step back. What do you need to expect for the year ahead? Where are all these things coming out from? Yeah. Um, having all of those pieces in mind, really help to then be able to create a, a bigger plan around it so that no matter what the ebb and flow is with health and life, I, I have an overarching plan to, mm -hmm. to meet those needs financially. Um, gosh, what, what else? There are so many pieces to this. Oh, I know one of the things you guys said in the boot camp that stuck with me that I continue to practice is regular vacations and time off mm -hmm. and uh you know i know we can't all do that you know there's certain privileges there as well but if possible being able to do that and also if possible quarterly sitting down really knowing your numbers knowing where things stand and what do you tweak for the, the quarter ahead Mm -hmm. um, I, I took that to heart and, you know, I take two weeks off every August. I take two weeks off for the holidays every year. And I have several other weeks throughout the year that I take off. That's good. Yeah. I think when you're dealing with chronic illness, knowing when you have that time off and you can count on it is huge. Um, I also, even during a pandemic, can I just add oh. that? I've been telling people, I know we don't know what next year holds, but you're going to take off that time. And even if it means that you have a staycation, you need a break you're mentally uh, from, from the work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And boundaries, man, that's such a huge thing. It's, uh, I'm usually a fairly boundary person. I try mm -hmm. to make, make my boundaries known. I let my clients know when I'm available and when I'm not. And I work Monday through Thursday. That's when I schedule my sessions. I don't go outside of that. And I schedule from around, you know, lunchtime until 8.30 to 9.00 PM all four days, um, which works well for me. And I'm a night owl. So don't, do not try to get in with me in the morning. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so the, again, the, this is a, make creating a practice that fits you and your brain. I used to be that person. I am not anymore. You know, like by four o'clock, it's like, yeah, I'm brain dead. So yeah, good. So you have a schedule that really works for you. I do. I do. And you guys gave the encouragement to, to be okay with that. To say, you know what, this is what I need. And this is mm -hmm. what I can offer. This is how I can do my absolute best work. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to continue to give myself that, mm. that space. I love that.
So how have you been pivoting with the pandemic and everything that's happened this year? What does that look like for you? Can we just stop and cry for like 20 minutes? <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so I only fun. do that at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. That's my cry time. No, <laughs> yeah. Um, how have I pivoted with COVID? Well, those boundaries I just talked about, I let those go just a little bit for a period of time. For a period, yeah. Yeah, and it's just been in the last probably two to three months since mm -hmm. this came back around that I stopped and realized I was experiencing some burnout and I reeled it back in and said, nope, time to go back to my own self-care and prioritizing mm -hmm. that, uh, which is hard. It's really, really hard when your clients are really struggling. The needs are mm -hmm. so high right now. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm trying to view that as I just can't be everything to everyone and I can't be my best version of, of me and as support to my clients if I'm constantly giving of myself and unexpectedly mm -hmm. doing so, mm -hmm. especially going through chronic illness, going through loss, like you just have to have that space. Um, and then I'm ready to show up on Monday afternoon, ready to mm -hmm. go. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of other ways of pivoting though. You've gone virtual. Yes. Yes, I have. You know, what's really ironic is hmm. the week before shutdown, I was on a plane visiting my siblings because we're all over the country. And I was actually typing up all of my paperwork for the online portion of my practice, which I was trying to launch in March. <laughs> and then this perfect happened. timing. Oh, yeah. Perfect timing for a pandemic. But it's, yeah. oh my gosh, it was awful. But it, that's not quite the way I saw it rolling out. Three weeks and blood pressure through the roof. But, it, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Here we are. Um, and I have fully transitioned and I am going to be staying virtual. Um, I'm very excited about it, actually. It's mm. there's there's adjustments, right? There's pros and cons with virtual versus in person or hybrid. Um, but I, I really actually love it. And, and like I said, my family is all over the country. And so it's really, really great to be able to have that freedom to go and stay with them for extended periods of time. And, um, you know, I mentioned loss and we did have a significant loss in our family, a tragic loss in Christmas 2018 um, mm -hmm. with my, my sister-in-law and having private practice in place, being mm -hmm. solid with my business enabled me to be hopping on a plane as much mm -hmm. as I to, to go and be, with my siblings, with my parents. And now it enables us to just continue that and um, be together in a meaningful way. And um, I'm just incredibly grateful for that aspect of virtual therapy. Um, mm. it's, it's a constant readjustment though. Um, mm. We're all experiencing that and how different it can feel at times. Mm. Mm -hmm. I'm, an, I'm an emotionally focused couples therapist. Mm -hmm. and so everything is so experiential. And there are these moments where if we've got a lag or anything is off and I miss something, that just is dreadful to me. But at the same time, 
it's just a part of what we have to work with. And I'm trying to embrace what is right. That nothing. I think there's more grace given, you know, like we are a little bit more compassionate now with each other of like, Hey, I miss that. Well, you know, how can we work around those misses sometimes? And yeah, I find this, the pressure has kind of forced some people into a little bit more compassionate stance because we're all just doing the best we can. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We don't you, you, you talked about your, the loss of your sister-in-law and things like that. Could we talk a little bit about how that kind of, because I feel like chronic health is a chronic grief. Um, 100%. It's, a, it's a different kind of, in my experience for me, it's been a different kind of grief than mm -hmm. a loss, like a tragedy or a loss of a person. So what, what, how did your practice sustain through that? And how did you manage through that loss? I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. there, there were days, I don't know. I was just putting one foot in front of the other, mm -hmm. which is the story of, of grief in so many ways. Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, it was recognizing early on that I was going to need more space and that mm -hmm. that was okay. Mm -hmm. and that I needed to also model some of that even for my clients to say, this is okay. It yeah. is okay for me to take space just like it's okay for you to take space. This is me being real that mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I need three weeks to deal with this. And then I'm also going to need a week and a month. And then I'm also going to need another week and a month after that. Right. And that's just how it's going to be for the next six to nine months. Mm -hmm. so be it. Mm -hmm. um, I think allowing that space was very necessary. Um, and I, I had to let go of a couple of cases that just or higher needs, or they it weren't a great fit. I might have usually taken them, but I just recognized for myself, you know, maybe this isn't going to work right now, and maybe I just don't have it in me. You know, yeah. I, I'm not the best version of myself today, and and that's okay because I'm a human being, and I'm just going to show up the best way I can. Um, Again, I think that mirrors boundaries for our clients of. Yeah. It's not, I, I say it time and time again in boot camp and in trainings, it's not realistic for our clients to never experience change in the therapeutic relationship because that's not how relationships work. And there comes a point where a relationship is no longer the right fit in someone's life. And what a gift for you to walk a client through that, you know, to refer them out for you to hold integrity of saying, I, can't give you my best. And so let's find who can. It's those hard conversations, I think, that actually healing happens that we often avoid. And so we avoid these opportunities for, for growth on both both sides. You know, yeah. it's a unique kind of work where we grow with every client we meet. I don't think that happens in every kind of line of work. Yeah. And so you're both simultaneously building those boundaries and understanding and, and how to say goodbye and how to make a transition. It's a gift to a client, even though it's hard to do. Yes. Yes, absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think a part of that too is, uh, you know, when we know a client is on their way out the door, when they're just sort of lingering, but mm-hmm. maybe commitment to the process is waning or, mm-hmm. or they've done their work and they're in a better place, but they're not ready to let go yet. You know, all the yeah. different variations of that. I found that my own circumstances prompted me to be a little bit more assertive when those things were playing out versus what I might do today, which is let it linger. (laughs) Right. And yeah, it was okay because it was an honest, it it provided space for an honest, you know, conversation with those clients about where they are allowing that to be okay. Right. And saying, okay, but, but we need to shift something here. And, and I'm in a different space as a therapist and I, I need to shift it. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so what does your practice look like today? Right now, what's a snapshot? You're working your evenings virtually. Yes, everything is virtual, and I need a, a an extra maybe three hours a day would be really nice. <laughs> so we need to rework the caseload size. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man, needs are so so high right now. Um it's so hard and Kelly it feels like there's just never there's just never enough time in the day. Um and it, yeah, so I'm busting at the seams to say the least. There's I have a wait list um which I don't actually love that. I don't like wait lists because I want to be able to meet needs right right there mm-hmm. with the right come in, we need to hop on that, right? And be there for our clients as much as we can. Um, mm-hmm. But the, this is the reality that we're in. And I think most people are operating at full capacity these days. That's what it feels mm-hmm. like. Anyways, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. um, all that said, I adore my clients. You know, I am working primarily with my ideal clients mm-hmm. um, and the things I picked up in boot camp with, with niching, with uh, SEO, with all the things, right? It, <laughs> it, it's come together and I, I just adore my clients so, so much. Um, and so I, I've got a, I'm in a good place, I think, even despite the pandemic and civil unrest and yeah. all the things, racial injustices and ugh, mm-hmm. so much heaviness for us to carry and change that needs to happen. But um, I feel like y'all provided the tools to manage that. Mm-hmm. And to thrive despite all the stress. Was not, let's just be clear though, we were not planning on tweeting <laughs> people up for a pandemic <laughs> and to look at all of these things. I think I yeah. will say I am grateful for what I've been learning and continue to work on in terms of the racial inequality because we have a lot in our field. And all these, you know, it's again, adapting and learning and growing and changing, just like as your health changes, maybe something changes in our system, something changes in our community. Respond in a new way. Never did I plan on helping therapists through a pandemic, but here we are, we, we pivoted as well. And we're all kind of doing that together and in an effort 
that we don't go back, that we we always move forward to better um, for ourselves and our community and our clients. So, yeah. I mean, if you're if someone was thinking about doing boot camp and was on the fence about it, what would you say to them? Dive in. <laughs> do it. Because I, I still like literally look at this. Uh, this oh, wow. This is from that free masterclass that y'all did in August. Yeah. And it's a list I'm still working through. Good. Y'all, I am so grateful, seriously, for, for everything mm -hmm. that you guys provide, not just the boot camps that you do, but then all the additional resources that you provide mm -hmm. that we can continue to go back to those resources as needed in the various, you know, seasons of our practice. Yeah. Um, it's just been so invaluable. So I think the next round of boot camp will work on your waitlist situation, <laughs> and we're gonna work on some of your scheduling stuff. But that's the thing is like, I I feel like I, I I liken it to an accordion. You know, you find space, and then things get squeezed, and then you have to find the space again, and it gets squeezed again. And so it's just this ebb and flow of adjusting and refining even four and a half, five years later from when you started. Absolutely. Yeah, and all for the betterment of taking care of you too, not just your clients. Even when the demand is high, your your body has a demand too. We want to make sure that both are getting taken care of, others and you, not one yeah. for the other, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Well, for anyone who is um, out there, um, in their private practice right now, what is one thing that you want to leave of encouragement to them during this time, whether they're facing loss, grief, illness, and this pandemic in a practice? What is one encouraging word you have for them? <sighs> breathe in and breathe out. <laughs> and some days, just seriously, put one foot in front of the other, know the direction you're heading in, and just trust that process going to get there it just sometimes takes us a little longer than we want and that is okay because we're getting there right on time i love that thank you jackie for joining us yeah. i'll um, include your website in the notes and everything for people to go check you out um, and we'll see you in the next round of boot camp too i hope awesome. okay have a great day bye guys <laughs>